Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with myself Chris Tuck and the lovely Beverly Ann. Hello. Hi everyone and this is podcast number 39 that we are recording today and it's quite a heavy subject. It is all about does pornography influence child sexual abuse? Question mark. We have our own thoughts on this and we are going to be discussing them and coming to a conclusion that is our opinion by the end of today's session. So shall I just start, Bev, with the um, introduction that I shared with you earlier and then we can take the conversation on from there? Yeah, that would be a good place to start. So this is from um, an article by a lady called Ama O'Neill. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. She's a former national head of therapy in Ireland and she has a therapeutic clinical role. So this woman knows, I assume, she knows what she's talking about. So she's saying that there is an increased level of sexualized behavior amongst children exposed to internet pornography. And we're gonna debate that word in a minute as well. She says children under 12 cannot process what they see, so they act it out, often with siblings or peers. Parents really struggle when dealing with this kind of behavior, but if it is not tackled effectively, it can generate further cycles of abuse. What do you have to say about that introduction? Very interesting introduction. And what I would like to open up with is the term pornography. What, what do we consider as pornography, but also choice? So traditionally, pornography is seen as um, videos, magazines, etc. And it's between consenting adults, meaning over the age of 18. Um, and if there's a use of pornography through watching it within a group, that everybody in that group is over the age and all, all consenting. So we just want to make that clear. Okay, because what we're talking about is something very different. But I also think uh, what she's saying is very interesting is um, about children under the age of 12 and how they act out. Because I think personally, there becomes some blurring because something they may see on TV doesn't necessarily come under what we would traditionally see as pornography, but they can act it out. And in that, what I'm meaning there is we're seeing, a, for instance, a huge increase of telephone, uh, television programs that are all naked. You know, suddenly there's naked attraction. There's, you know, where they drop people and they go running off um, and they've got to get to a certain point naked. There's even a naked program where you've got adults naked in front of children that they don't know. They're saying it's education, but for me, it starts to be like, where 
where were the boundaries? Because if we want to talk about abuse and certain things in sexual education within schools, especially under the age of 12, it becomes a really contentious topic. It's like, no, allow our children to be young. We don't want them to. And yet, when we watch TV, we see sexual content, which for me, it's like, is that pornography? Look at the dancers in some dance videos. Where do we stop? Yeah, as you said, when we are working in this um, sector, for the want of a better word, of child sexual abuse, and we're trying to have clear, concise boundaries, black and white thinking, this is abuse, this isn't, we're trying to make sure that everyone knows where they stand. When there's the blurring of the lines, like you've explained, because of TV, because of images in magazines, whatever, um, where do we uh, go with all of that? Because we are going to constantly get people going, yeah, but what about that? And what about that? So for us, this blurring of the lines is not helpful and also it's not welcome, to be honest. Yes, because what happens, how I see it as well, if we're not careful, what we're doing is gradually saying it's okay. That's the norm. It becomes a new norm. That's okay. Yeah. You know, we can see that it's illegal to run around naked. You know, if you've got someone's... You can't streak, can you? No. You can't streak. You yeah. can't be naked on a beach. That's illegal, you know, and and there's a protection of people. But suddenly it's okay to have it on the TV. Now, I'm not saying I've not watched some of those programmes and laughed along them, but I'm a consenting adult that's made that yeah. choice. But when we, we have children that can have access to it, and as she said a big increase on social media. How many children under the age of 12 has, have access to phones? All of them. A huge majority. Apparently, yeah. the latest figures that are out, and I am going to cite Jeremy Vine programme, they did um, only a week ago, they had a programme saying that the youngest person that's been recorded having a phone are children at the age of three. Mm. And we can't assume that at the age of five, because they're only five, they don't know how to access information on that because they do, even if they don't intend to. So this is something that's not to frighten people, but it, you know, we need to really put it in context. When we put our children in front of the television, when we put them, give them access to the social media, what we're saying is go out into the world, there's no, no safety. We yeah. open the gates. So that's where I hear what she's saying and they're, they're my thoughts and my concerns. And also, obviously, um, we were speaking in some previous podcasts about peer-on-peer -peer abuse, children abusing other children. And um, in some cases, it is clear that there is actual sexual abuse that's happened. But in other cases it can be quite clear that it might be children exploring their own bodies and other bodies. Mm. Is it right? Is it wrong? That's another conversation. However, 
we do need to have this conversation because in too many incidences of where we ask adults about the abuse that they've gone through, they often say, oh, it was my brother, it was my sister, it was my auntie, it was my uncle. And there's not big age gaps in this um, abuse that's happened. So in order for us to understand the scale and the scope of the problem, we need to look at the causes of it and what is actually happening. And where it is happening in an exploration case, just let's just call it that for a moment, we need to say, actually, explore your own body. That's fine, that's normal, but you don't explore other people's bodies because yes. that is not right. No matter what the age, they yes. need that learning. They need yes. those boundaries. Yeah, because that comes under bullying and sexualization. You know, bullying comes in lots of different ways. And when you take bullying a little bit further, it is abusive. It's an abuse. We think of it as adults on children because the power, but there's still a power aspect sometime when you're making someone do something that they don't want to do. So it's not nice to think about, but it's something that we have to be aware of. Because also why there are so many children that have been abused by um, other, you know, um, either siblings or friends, peers of the similar age, and they're being silenced. And that's what this conversation's about, not silencing anymore. So there is a direct link and correlation in my mind about or between what you see what you experience and what you potentially go on to perpetrate or not. And the reason why I say this, and I'm gonna share something very personal and probably not shared this yet. Because of the abuse that happened between my dad and some siblings in our family when we were young, those siblings, and they're not my full siblings, um, they went on and started to act out what they've experienced with some of us. So there's peer on peer abuse happening within the family there. But at the same time, it probably wasn't seen as abuse. It was probably seen as exploration and there was nothing wrong in that. But there is something wrong in that because of, as you said, that power dynamic. And if it's the norm in the household, where do you go with your new secret? It, it, it's quite, um, it's a very taboo subject and there's a lot of shame in all of that. And it was probably one of the last things that I shared with my EMDR counsellor was the absolute shame that I personally felt. Um, but also what I wanted to say is that I've heard from other survivors that were within institutions, and I'm not going to name because I don't want any jigsaw thing going on, um, that the culture was that the older children in these institutions abused sexually the younger children, and some of those younger children would then grow up and perpetrate, yeah? So the whole thing 
was normalized within some of these institutions yet that young person who grew up to be an adult was really riddled with the shame and the guilt about having to go through all of that so we're not just talking about exploration that it might be seen in some people's eyes it is a crime and those boundaries need to be clear the gray area comes about because we're talking about children here and always is and it's very contentious so anybody listening if this is triggering something for you we just want you to be aware we need to talk about this and if you are one of those children please reach out for support because it's important but I'm going to say something that I would never say if it was an adult and I'm going to be 100% clear on this. I, I can't work with perpetrators, adult perpetrators onto children. I can't. It's something I hold my hands up to. However, we're talking about different dynamics here. I am not making this right. But if a child is a perpetrator and they're acting it out because of what has become the norm to them, they can't necessarily, and I don't necessarily know that they should be um, arrested for it, but yes, they certainly do need to see somebody so that we put prevention in for when they get older and we get support for the people that they've been sexualizing. Yeah, and the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because that particular adult that shared with me what went on for them you think, oh, again, it was ages ago, it was in the past, that doesn't happen. Whereas I had someone contact me on social media literally last week who has a case of children exploring other children sexually and the adult saying, well, they're just children, that's what children do. No, it's, uh, it, it's there's a lot that um, we've learned from things in the past but that's why now we're talking about it because we didn't know about a lot of this you know because the way we communicated wasn't necessarily on social media you know you communicated within your community so your your family your bubble and anything that was communicated in the papers would have been something way that happens over there, not here. So that's why we're having these conversations. And I know you're very much involved in a conference that's happening. You're a speaker at a conference about um, abuse and the internet. So yeah. we, will, we will be following that up in other mm -hmm. podcasts. So I don't want anyone to think we're not looking at this, but this I know many victims that have been abused, sexually abused by their siblings. And when it's come out later as their adults, it's been dismissed. And that mm. and the victim survivor has been asked to carry on as if that didn't really happen. Yeah. And I, I like we've had conversations like we do all of the time and you were sharing um, something where and again, I can share something very similar um, where uh, a survivors turned around and said um, I was abused by a person within the family. Um, they took photos of me. I know those photos are out there because I know they shared them with other people and 
I was speaking about this on another radio show that I'm on the panel for. And I was actually saying that every single image is a crime scene. It's a child or young person that's been sexualized, sexually abused, raped, tortured. Yeah. It's a crime scene. Yeah. People people underestimate um, when someone's been convicted of, I'm going to say it's the classification and you saw me hesitate and I do the classification is that they indulge in child pornography Mm. it is not child pornography it is child sexual abuse yeah absolutely exploitation and grooming because they would have had to groom the child in the first place to get the child in a state where they can abuse and this and this is where it starts so there's a start place so you know I won't lie I find it I think it's lovely seeing children on on social media on Facebook but as much as it's lovely and we get to see the insight of somebody it scares me when we see so many pictures of children under the age of 18 on social media particularly for the school uniform because we're putting children in places of danger now, so, sorry, society so, as a whole, though, Bev, they don't see that, do they? They don't no. see that they're putting potentially a child in danger. Because, and this is the dissociation. So if we were suddenly to take pictures, if you and I would go ahead and take a picture of a child in the high street, right, and then put it on our Facebook page, what would those parents say? They probably wouldn't know, to be honest. No, but if they did, they wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be happy. Hopefully not. Yeah. But you are doing that same thing yourself by putting it up on there and seeing the world. And this is where the dissociation comes from it. Because when we're seeing it in our own life, in our own bubble, we can see the tangibility. Um, When we're putting something up on screen, we think it's safe because we're in our own home. But it's not, it's going out to the wide web. And this is, you know, you and I are very aware of this, even doing what we do as broadcasters and speakers. Mm. We make very deliberate choices about what we share and what we release, knowing that it's going out, whereas a child can't do that. And for anyone listening who's getting quite irate at what we're saying and saying that that's not you know, you're taking it too far. I want you to think about this and think, okay, where where do we stop? So just to add on to what you've just said there to give it a bit of weight. Sorry, if if you see me looking over at my table, I've got lots of facts and figures to bring in. Research by the Department for Culture, Media and Sport has shown that 80% of six to 12 year olds have experienced some form of harmful online content. Not necessarily sexualized, but harmful to them. Yeah. The NSPCC reported 10,391 child sex crimes recorded by the police. Can I just say that's the ones that are recorded? Yeah. 
exactly the tip of the iceberg and it doesn't matter where you get your stats from all the stats are and have increased yeah since 2017-18 sexual communication with a child offenses have increased by 70 percent not 17 70 and I bet one three, of the biggest areas is gaming. Three quarters of these offences were committed via Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger and Snapchat. Wow. The 20, yeah, I know. So all platforms. Yeah. yeah. There isn't one platform that is um, uh, good to go on this. There, there just isn't. All children on all platforms are at risk. The 2021 Tackling Child Sexual Abuse Strategy outlined the government's current efforts to reinforce a child protection online as they aim to make the UK the safest place on the world to be online. I don't know how they've got that mission statement because we know, obviously, the whole point of the internet is that you can reach into the far corners of, of the world. Um, so no one is safe unless you put things in place to keep yourself safe, keep your children safe. This is where it has to start with the adults. Yeah. Because we can say we restrict this, we restrict that. But if as adults, and we've all been there, you know, there are some things I can look back at and think, oh, well, that was acceptable. Now I can see that actually, oh, I don't know. I didn't actually follow up that whole conversation with, you know, my children growing up. You know, my son went to an all boys school. Do you see what I mean? And we had different conversations, but there were some conversations that, oh, maybe I should have taken that a little bit further, you know, as it was. Um, we I've always been aware even back then when social media was very little um I was very aware of my children on the internet so much so I'm not going to go into details but I actually went to one of the schools because I got access into suddenly their their friends and what was happening in their lives and I wasn't computer savvy back then mm. and my child wouldn't listen to me and so what I did another time I printed down everything that I got access to and put it on paper put it in an, an envelope and when we were sitting in the cinema one time I passed this envelope to them and they said straight away that's an invasion of privacy and I said can I just let you know that every person sitting in this cinema has access to that information that I've just given to you quietly and that was a hard thing to do, but I needed to show this is what's happening. Yeah, and to back you up on that as well, in September 22, the Children's Commissioner published um, a survey called Digital Childhood, a survey of children and parents. And one of the conclusions of this survey was children are exposed to various forms of harmful content online, which simply wouldn't be allowed to cross their paths in the real world. This includes sexualized and pornographic imagery, violent or gory content, material depicting self-harm and anonymous trolling. And the fact that a lot of our children are online 
and the fact that a lot of parents don't know what's going on, our children are being exposed to this, it's becoming their norm. Their boundaries are getting blurred, but not only are their boundaries getting blurred, they don't know what's right and wrong in the first place because they're not getting the education and the awareness. If they had the education and the awareness of the harms, they could then go, oh, okay, that's wrong. Where do I report it? I'm going to report it. Yeah, or, or even, even if we take away the word report, and where do I go and speak to someone about this? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're always, we're talking in reality here, mostly about infants and junior school children. Okay, we'll get that really clear here. Yeah. Very clear. And we need to have this clear because this also includes the first year of seniors. Now, this isn't to frighten people. This is to help people put it in context because the first year of senior pupils are there with grown adults. You think of it, you know, a sixth form. So we need to be aware of this. You know, I, I thought it was going to be gaming because gaming is something that I've always found um, alarming because how many children between the age of six and 12 actually own a video game that's got an 18 plus on it? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And interactive as well. There's an interactive online community that is going to have many adults who are acting out as children of a certain age. Yeah. And, I, you know, luckily, when my children were younger, it wasn't as extensive then and yeah. it wasn't wasn't online. But I remember one of the games that they had bought, bought for them. I hadn't been on that. And I, I can't remember exactly what age that child was and it's one of my children and so I don't want to say yep. too much but it was when they said oh it's okay um they've been out killing all night but there are no prostitutes because they're just going back to bed now because they finished work for the night about about 10 years old I was like where did you get that information from and it was like well yeah in the game and I said what do you mean in the game because I hadn't no. I hadn't hadn't no it hadn't considered, you know. And it didn't cost your brain that, no. that would have that content in it. No. Yeah. But can you imagine having that conversation with someone outside? Oh, it's just a game. Yeah. It, it's okay. Oh, my child's... We, we start to normalise it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So this report also said that children who are eligible for free school meals were significantly more likely to see every type of harmful content. I don't know where they were going with that or why they come to that conclusion, but that was one of the conclusions. Okay. Only half of children who had seen harmful content reported this to the platform they saw it on because 40% um, of children who didn't report said they didn't do so because they lacked faith in the platform's responses. Mm -hmm. So we've already got a culture where children and young people don't feel safe about reporting because they know nothing's going to be done. Yeah. So part of the online safety bill um, is about making the platforms responsible for things like um, ease of access to indecent images. The industry needs to pre-screen material before it's uploaded. Now you would think that that was an automatic thing but it's not. <laughs> no, 
now I allow some... everything and anything to be uploaded. But there's one thing I'm going to put back in their place because that's what a discussion is, is on all those platforms you spoke about earlier, they have a minimum age requisite. How many, how many children have got access to accounts because their friends have? And that's the danger. But also that age verification, we all get round it, don't we? Yeah. The yeah. children know how to get round it. So better than us adults sometimes. Yeah. So part of the online safety bill is to make sure that the platforms get proof of children's ages and then obviously keep that information locked down and not accessible to all and sundry. Yes, absolutely. And I just wanted to clarify that because it's not that we're looking to be a nanny state, we're looking to how can we change things so that we can prevent this going forward? Yeah, and just to better protect, you know, our young people, because mm. that's what it's all about. One of the things that, that um, I've been reading about is obviously is the live streaming of child sexual abuse and exploitation that goes on in the dark web, the you know, well, you can see my reaction the internet. I mm. know. Um, people don't want to think about it, but it is an industry, in quote marks, in itself worth billions. Okay, and it's um, it's so it's on the scale of such magnitude that the professionals working within it, like the Internet Watch Foundation, for example. They don't actually know the scale and the scope of it. No one actually knows. They just know that it's off the scale worldwide. Yeah. Um, and they're saying in the online safety bill that the industry needs to be proactive about all of this kind of material and not reactive. There is a need for regulation. And Absolutely. I 100% we agree with that. And I very much see that with the VR content that's coming up as well. Oh, explain a little bit about that, Bev. So um, I'm always interested in how things move forward. Even in this conversation, we set out one way and look where we go now. But um, I saw something about VR and it was somebody who's in a relationship with another adult, okay, over VR and they do it through being animal characteristics, characters. And even as I watched it, I thought, oh, can you imagine if that was an adult and a child? And this is exactly where we come back to the beginning. We're not stopping consenting people, but we have to be very aware of what seems innocent, but then correlate it with what, what access do they have? Because what we do in our own home, we say, you know, if you're between the age of six and 12, you can't just go out and walk around the park because I can't keep you safe. But then we give you a laptop or we give you an iPad or we give you a phone and say, there you go. And we, we hope and trust. So I hope that's giving food for thought. It's not finger pointing. It's not to just frighten people and, and, and scaremonger. It's saying these are the considerations. This is the blurring. 
because what we're trying to do is show the clear correlation and causal impact of pornography in quote marks, adult pornography that children do have access to. And often when you watch pornography, it's not just a um, setting up a nice healthy relationship between two people and them having a normal loving consenting sexual relationship mm -hmm. it's often to the extremes where there's violence where there's all different aspects of adult porn where there might be some sadism going on some brutality going on and again what they get up to as adults is up to them as long as it's not abuse of any kind um, however children and young people seeing this watching it thinking that it is normal healthy normal. relationship might then start acting it out and we know that they do act they it do out. act it out and, and this is the issue and and you know if we take some of the and i'm not going to say any names but if we take some of the regular soaps that we see yep. We need to be mindful there as well of the age of our children watching them. On one hand, I really like the fact that they are touching on really sensitive subjects. And it's good because that's where it's information. But on the other hand, we, you know, how young are we allowing those children to see these soap operas and see some of what's happening? especially when we don't put it into context and have the bigger com conversation around it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. not only are our children and young people um, seeing adult porn, they may be, and we know there's a lot of this going on. And again, this term may not be appreciated by some people, self-generated imagery where, you know, um, you think your boyfriend is asking for a nude of you, maybe topless, but you're under the age of consent. You're a child, young person. You send that on to them because you think you're in a relationship. They love you. You love them. Da, da, da. But then that that image all of a sudden is boomed around the school. Mm. Yeah. And there's untold damage done by that. Mm -hmm. And that's just one little example that could happen. Yeah. Um, and there's even a thing called revenge porn, yeah. even in adults. So we're not talking children anymore, but where you're in a, a relationship and you've consented to sending each other pictures. But when that relationship ends, then one person in that ex relationship then, you know, shares that imagery that they didn't have permission to share. No. So it brings untold harm, shame, guilt, blame, whatever you want to um, call it, onto that person that that image is depicting. Mm. And we just need to come to a place where we know all of this is happening, talk about it, frame it, say, right, this is right, this is wrong, so that we all know where we stand so that we can call it out for what it is. What yeah. are your thoughts, Bev? I know you've talked about um, uh, the naked programs and obviously we don't want to confuse that or um, say that, you know, naturists, you know, aren't allowed and all things like that, because there's nothing wrong with a naked body in the right context. 
And again, with naturism, again, they're consenting adults. They go to different, you know, I've taken my children on beaches where there's naked people, but from a, a perspective, they have, they kept their swim stuff on because it was their choice and they were with me. So it's, it's in enabling them to have the information. These people have chosen not to wear clothes. Okay. Um, but you're with me, but you have the choice. So they, we had that conversation so that they felt comfortable. Quite frankly, they didn't actually take any notice of it. They, they weren't, they didn't have naked people just standing in front of them. Yeah. They were over there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I said, you know, if you've got any concerns, I will say there was one person, the girls were playing very nicely and they came up and they sat right next to the girls. I wasn't aggressive. I just said, girls, would you like to bring your stuff and bring it over here? Yeah. Now, at that time, another parent said to me, you were being dramatic there. And I said, why is that? They said, that man wasn't doing anything. I said, hold on a minute. There's a whole beach. Yeah. And that man chose to come and sit right next to the girls. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> that. So all I asked yeah. is, my girls... Or all the girls. Yeah. Would you like to come over here? That was it. Guess what? He moved away and yeah. went off. So ulterior motive. So we're not yeah. obviously saying all naturalists no. are like that man, but it is um, you know, that's why there are naturist beaches, so that yeah. we can separate the people that like to be free-flowing in their lives and those of us that don't, because yeah. we just don't. And look at it the other way, a flasher. Yeah. A flasher, you know, is showing, but it's a different intention. Yes. A very yeah. different intention. And I've been flashed at once years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was um, in an underground station. And what was worse about it was the way he looked. At, you know, when you don't, you catch, something catches your eye and he literally opened his coat and, you think, did I, did I really see what I saw? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, like when you go back again and it was the way he looked at yeah. me and opened it, it was deliberate. Yeah. It's voyeurism, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the, that feeling, my train came, I got on the train because I felt so vulnerable. I couldn't move, yeah. but I got on the train and, and I looked and it was still watching me and it was as if to say, you're not going to do anything. And when yeah. I got to Charing Cross, I went and found someone and I went to talk and I couldn't actually talk. Yeah. When I told the first person, they laughed. Oh, it's only a flasher. And I said, no, I'm on my own. As it's getting later now, there's other women going to be on their own. And also, we also know from his, history and, um, and what happens when flashing is not enough? Yeah. Why, why are we saying, oh, it's only a flasher? Why are we saying this is that? Exactly what happened with Cousins. Yeah. When he killed Sarah Everard, he had a history that started with flashing. Yeah. It's not, it's illegal, it's not welcome, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And the thing is, if they feel they can get away with an adult... They will do it in parks with children. Even my local park around here, there, there yeah. has been a flasher in, in the past, you yeah. know, and 
we have to call it out. This is what we mean by black and white thinking boundaries. We have got to call it out. So there's been a lot of um, stuff going on over social media about like drag acts in front of um, children, for example, um, and all these different shows where there's nude bodies turning up in front of children, stuff happening before the watershed. All of this is, in my opinion, like you said, consenting adults, fine. Go to a drag show, not a problem. But when it is done in front of children, I have issues with that because we're sexualizing and we are making it normal and it should never be that because of everything we've discussed today. Yeah, what, what's adult is adult. Yeah, you've got you know, choice. absolutely absolutely that's that's different but Mm. when you know we're making it normal when you think of you know think of some of those dance videos yeah you know we are making it normal um that think of some of the the lyrics now it's really funny because like i i think you know when i was younger i'd think oh don't be don't be so ridiculous but actually some of those lyrics are really awful and when our children between the six and age of sixes and 12 are getting access to that this is what we're talking about yeah it forms it comes part of their everyday day culture and we don't want that we want to keep them safe from all of this yeah. And that's what we're saying. Um, yeah. And Would it starts you... with the children, with their education, awareness. It starts yeah. with the parents. It starts with the online platforms. Yeah. Everybody has a role to play in all of this. If we're unable to have conversations in schools with our children mm-hmm. about abuse, because that's scary to people, about how we're able, you know, that we have choice, that we have... We should, you know, we can't then say that we're not keeping, that we're taking away their childhood, but then hold on a minute, you're then giving them access to that. Giving them access to adult stuff. Yeah. 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 No. No. So. So go back to the original question then. Does pornography influence child sexual abuse? What would you say? I would say yes, it does. Yeah, it does, and I, and especially when um, that you know when the other thing I'm going to say here is when adults are watching pornography and make children watch it with them. What as part of growing up? Yes. Yeah, that is abuse. That's sexual abuse. Yeah, and a lot of people won't agree with us when we say that, but it it's, absolutely one hundred percent sexual abuse. Is. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, how do we finish this podcast on a lighter note? <laughs> well, I think or is it's, there a lighter note? No, actually, I think on this subject there isn't. I think there it's isn't. important to get it out. Also, I think anybody listening, if you have been abused by a sibling, if you are being abused. If you're a sibling that is abusing as well, because mm-hmm. there, there are children, um, even if they're not listening to this podcast, um, if there's someone that thinks there's a child um, abusing, please reach out 
for support and there are different places for support. If you don't know where to go to, please email us at breaking the cycle to step forward at gmail.com and we can signpost you. So the, we want to break down the barriers, have these conversations to enable people to reach out. So that's my last thought on it. Chris, your last thought. Um, such a massive subject, um, one that's getting worse by the day. And we have got to start not only having these conversations, but actually taking action. And I think criminalizing children who have been a victim and who may be now perpetrating is not the right way personally to go. However, there are some young people out there that have and are perpetrating um, as children and then go on as adults to do that. And yes, they need help, but they, they, there is consequences for child sexual abuse. You can't use it as an excuse no. to get away with crime when you're an adult. You just can't. There is no, no reason to be abusing children and young people, full stop. Absolutely. So on that note, we'd like to say goodbye. For anybody listening or watching us, please look after yourself. And as we said, contact us if you'd like some signposting for further support. That's breaking the cycle, two step forward at gmail.com. Lovely. Thank you very much, everyone. And see you in the next podcast. Bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you.